We call this, when we have all the ages in here, we call it this long word, intergenerational. And um, I just want to look at that for just a few minutes and look at what, what that means. First of all, generate, you know what a generation is? A generation is like a different the different ages, the different uh, group, different people, different groups of different ages. There's babies, there's little children, there's youth and teens, there's adults, there's young adults, there's middle age, and then there's those who my father used to call the chronologically advantaged, right? So here we are, <laughs> old. Um, our church is blessed with a full range of generations. Um, who make this their church home, we are together. And that is the inter part. Inter of intergenerational is being together. Um, inter means uh, with each other. In fact, here's what the dictionary says about intergenerational. It's on, there's a little outline in your bulletin, and this is an outline uh, as often that's, that's oriented towards the children but is not childish, that will help all of us uh, as we discover this and explore it together, whatever generation we belong to. So intergenerational is an adjective, means it describes something else, and it relates to or it involves, it affects several different generations. So it's different generations together, working together, interacting. It's all fine, but why, why, why worship together? I mean, couldn't the adults? I mean, couldn't we adults really get much more serious? Couldn't we get a lot more deeper, you know, and, and get involved in some of this stuff without the kids here? And, and frankly, wouldn't the children really have more fun? Wouldn't you kids have more fun with with learning activities that are designed more for you than for what we do in here? Well, actually, we do have a lot of our programming is separate. A lot of times the children are in uh, children's worship uh, during this time while we hear a message. Um, but there are times when we want to do this, and there are times when it's good for us to be together, and there's good reasons for us to be together. In fact, the Bible gives us some really good examples and some reasons for the generations to worship and celebrate together. We began our worship this morning when Liam read from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. And there, I, Deuteronomy is a book uh, written, or at least recording the words of Moses. And so that's our first blank, because that's Moses who is talking to all the children of Israel. He's talking to all the different ages of the children of Israel. You know what they're getting ready to do? Here in Deuteronomy, they're getting ready. They've been wandering around in the wilderness, and they're getting ready to go to the promised land. They're getting ready to enter into the promised land together. And Moses is telling them that the most important thing for them to know and to believe... Is a little bit what J.J. shared in his story too, is that they as a family of God are to love God. They're to love God with everything they've got, their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he answers how they're supposed to do that. How are we supposed to love God with everything we've got? And he said we are to keep the word of God, keep the word of God alive and real every day with each other, young and old, in your heart, in your mind, in your talking. And in a sense, Moses is saying to the children of Israel, this will keep you together. This will keep you following God, even as the generations change, as the older people go and move on and the children grow up, the word of God will hold you together. Let's read it together again as the words come on the screen. Let's read together. Israel, listen to me. The Lord is our God. The Lord is the one and only God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Love him with all your strength. The commandments I give you today must be in your hearts. Make sure your children learn them. Talk about them when you are at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Speak about them when you go to bed. And speak about them when you get up. Together, 
families together, the word together. Another place we see that generations is uh, involved in the life in, and ministry of Jesus. Like this, you know the story about where Jesus fed the, the 5,000. There's that miraculous story where Jesus fed 5,000. All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, include this story. It's one of the few stories that shows up in all four Gospels. In Matthew's version, it says this, that the number of men who ate was 5,000. Women and children also ate. We won't get into why they only counted the men and not the women and children, but we want to acknowledge that the women and the children were there too. This was not just in a conference only for men. They were all there, and they all were fed more than 5,000, and the kids were there too. Now, when you go over to John's gospel, and he tells the same story, he gives us a little bit of information that Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't tell us. And he told us who it is who actually provided the fish and the bread that Jesus blessed and multiplied a thousandfold. Anyone remember? Who was it? It was a little what? A little boy. Here is a boy with five small loaves of barley bread. He also has two small fish. But how far will that go with such a large crowd? And Jesus said (laughs) and proved far enough. Now, we go all the way back in Jesus' life when he was only eight days old. When Jesus was only eight days old, so he was just like a little miniature person then. And his mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, took him to the temple, which is kind of like the church in Jerusalem, to be dedicated. It was a little bit like we have dedication or baptism of infants in our church. And so Mary and Joseph took him to the temple, and when they got there, there was two senior adults, older people there. There was a man named Simeon who'd been waiting a long time to see the Messiah, and there was a woman who was even older named Anna, and she was a prophetess. And she had been waiting also for God's son to come. And when they saw Jesus, they recognized that he was, in fact, the promise of God. The fulfillment of the prophecy that God would send his son and send a Messiah. Simeon and Anna were old. (laughs) But they were very much still involved in ministry and very, very much valuable to the plan of God. So we see even in these few short stories, the generations, all the generations involved in the life and the ministry of Jesus are all important and all valuable to God. Finally, I'm reminded what the Apostle Paul says about the church in the first letter. He wrote two letters to the church that was in a town called Corinth in Greece. And in his first letter to, uh, to Corinth, he says that the church is the body of Christ. He said that you as a church, all the people that know Jesus are the family of God, but you're also in this part, in the 12th chapter of that letter, you are the body of Christ. And as sense what he says is that we are all what? We're all body parts. You might not think of yourself that way, but really that's the image that Jesus is using here. You are all parts of the body of Christ, and therefore you are all needed to make the body work. Listen and follow along as I read from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12, 13, and 14, with a couple words added. There's one body, but it has many parts. And all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit, and so we are formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and I would add here, men or women, boys or girls, young or old. We were all given the same spirit to drink of. And so the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. The body of Christ has many parts, and we are all part of it. Here's a few things that we learn when we consider this idea of the body of Christ being like a body where every part is important. The first one is that every part of the body is valuable. Every part of the body is valuable, valuable to God. We are valuable to each other. 
In the body of Christ, nobody is more important than another person. No matter how old or young they are, no matter how much money they have or how much power they might have, nobody is more important than anyone else. Every part of the body is valuable. Secondly, each part is needed for us to be the church. We need each other in order for the the church to work. Thirdly, we reflect Jesus better together. The body of Christ uh, is going to help. We're going to help draw people to Jesus more when we look more like the whole body of Christ. When we express all the diversity of the body of Christ around the world, whether the diversity is our different ethnic groups we come from, men and women, we come from different places in terms of rich and poor and where we live. And today, again, we highlight the differences in age. We reflect Jesus better when we are together. And then finally, the last part is we are more whole and we are more alive when we're together. We are more whole and more alive when we're together. And that's why, that's why we worship and celebrate as the generations at Naperville Covenant Church. Not every single Sunday, parts of every Sunday, but particularly at least around once a month together like this to be reminded we're all valuable. We need each other. We better reflect the body of Christ together. Now, on the very back of that little outline there, there's this question, or there's a big blank space, and it says, what do you like about intergenerational worship in Daperville Covenant Church? And so you don't have to do that right now, but you can take some time today or later today, but I'd like you to think about what your answer would be, and you can write it, and if you're an adult and you like to use words, you can extract that if you want to draw a picture. But what do you like about intergenerational worship? I've caught a couple hints of what some people don't like about it. I don't need to hear that today, okay? I'd like to hear what you like about it, and perhaps what you're learning about that as well. We're getting ready to share communion uh, soon, and I just want to share a little bit about it as we get ready. This little flyer is in your bulletin, and uh, I was thinking of when we lived in New England. Back in the 80s, our children were small, like a lot of these kids here, and um, this was before the internet, and we had moved uh, from Kansas City, where we were for five years, to, to the Boston area, well, an area rich in history and all of these different historical figures and all these wonderful things to see and experience. And um, Megan knew the Freedom Trail by heart. She could lead anybody down it. And, uh, but I remember uh, Megan wanted to learn so much about everything that was going on, all of the historical figures and all the historical stuff that, you know, you go to the library and you check out these books this long, and she found out the best way, this is pre-internet, so I realize we're talking ancient history here, because you couldn't Google it then, the best way was to get children's books. You know, you, sometimes all you really needed to know was what was included in a children's book about an historical figure or an event that happened. And so I want you to kind of see this as a little bit of that. that this, is, this is true. These are the facts. This is directed towards, actually towards parents and children. But I found that this is a very helpful resource for all of us as followers of Christ, no matter how old or young you are, uh, to learn some of the basics about communion. I think some of you might read this and go, like I did, your pastor. Oh, so that's what that means. Anyway, so we're just going to look at this briefly before we share in the communion together. It says right here in the front that the communion means sharing. Communion means sharing together. And communion also means of, of being together and doing something together. That's why you never do communion all by yourself at home. You don't do devotions and just take a quick little communion on the side. It's something we do together with the family. But it also means communing and being with Jesus. We celebrate communion with Jesus in our midst. And we also celebrate it because of Jesus' love for us. And, you know, another reason why we celebrate communion? He told us to. So we do it 
in obedience. He said, keep doing this until I come again. We eat the tiniest bit of bread, and I believe this is gluten-free bread, by the way, and we drink just the tiniest bit of juice. And if you're hungry right now, this will not satisfy your hunger. Right, kids? I think sometimes you sit there and go, oh, I can't wait until communion because I get this little miniature snack. It does not, you know, it, 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 it is food, but it serves a very, very different purpose here than meeting us in a hungry place. In fact, when we eat this little tiny bit of bread, and today instead of drinking the juice, we dip it in the juice and then eat it, it reminds us of several very important truths, and that's what's on the inside of this little flyer. It reminds us, first of all, that, that Jesus is God and that he gives us life. Jesus, as part of the eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, was part of creating all things and of loving the world. That's the first thing that we remember and celebrate, that Jesus is God made known to us, and he loves us very much and has created all things. But secondly, it also says that Jesus gives us not only life in general, but he gives us new life. We remember that he loved the whole world, that, he gave, that God loved the whole world and gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. To give us new life, Jesus needs to forgive us of our sins. He needs to help us turn from kind of taking care of ourselves and being our own boss of me to letting him be our Lord and Savior. So Jesus gives us new life and he extends to us the gift of forgiveness. We remember that at the table. And so the little bit of bread reminds us, uh, and and when we have it, and when I break the bread a little bit here, that reminds us that his body was broken, that he died on the cross. And the little bit of juice that we dip the bread in today reminds us of his blood that was shed on the cross. And because he died on the cross and shed his blood, he removed our sins. He removed our sins and forgave our sins so that we could have this new life in this relationship with him. Thirdly, Communion reminds us that Jesus is here, that he lives with us, that he's alive, that he came back from the dead. When we celebrate Easter in about seven weeks, we will celebrate the resurrection, that Jesus is alive and with us all the time. And so communion is a very special time to say, hey, Jesus is here. Fourthly, it reminds us that Jesus loves us and that he, that he guides us and he's given us this gift of salvation, that we don't have to prove how good we are. We don't have to earn our salvation. We don't have to get to heaven by being the best person we possibly be by trying hard, but that he loves us so much he makes it possible for us to come to him. It says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Fifthly, here it says specifically in our church family, the Evangelical Covenant Church, that everyone who has accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord is invited to participate in communion. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter what church you were baptized in or if you're a member of our church or not, but if you know Jesus in your heart, you can participate in communion. And when we do that, part of participating every time is, is getting ourselves ready. And it reminds us that we, even though he's forgiven our sins, we still slip into sin. We still kind of take control of our lives. But the Bible reminds us that when we confess our sins, and we do that every time we take communion, that Jesus forgives us. And we put him back in that place as Savior and Lord. Number six says, I love this, this says, there is a mystery present in communion. Isn't that great? You'd think a bunch of pastors wrote this to say, well, this is why I can't explain everything to you because it's just a mystery. But it is a mystery. We don't know how it is that Christ is present in the communion. We just know that he is. This says a mystery is something that is not fully understood and that Jesus is with us in a special way. We call communion a sacrament here. And a sacrament means something that we participate in that helps us see and experience Jesus' love and forgiveness. A sacrament, whether it be baptism 
or communion helps us see and experience Jesus' love and forgiveness. When we participate in communion, Jesus is present in a special way. He is with us, participating with us. And then number seven has all of these things. It sort of summarizes all the things that we remember and celebrate. We remember that Jesus is God. Jesus gives us life, loves us, forgives us, died for us. Rose from the dead, Jesus lives, will come again. Jesus tells us not to worry, tells us he's prepared a place in heaven. We remember our sins before him, and we remember that he forgives us. We remember that we want to live for Jesus, and that he gives us a spirit to guide us. So hopefully this will help you understand a little bit better what happens in communion. We remember a lot of things. The front of the table, it's covered by the cloth now, but it says, do this in remembrance of me, which is not a word that we use a lot, but what it means is do this to remember all these things about me, says Jesus, and all these things about you as you trust me. There's a prayer printed in that little um, sheet, and we have it on the screen now, and let us close with this. Read together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for loving us enough to die for us. Thank you for taking away our sin, for giving us eternal life, for always being with us. Help us to follow you and share your love with all others. Amen.